ahead and have a seat. How is everybody? We got an excellent down front. That's good. Good stuff is going on. We, um, we're going to have a, a chance for everybody to sign the welcome books. Be sure and do that. A chance to give and to worship God with your resources, with your finances. Cool thing. We are in a series that just started last week called Inside Out. It's, and Inside Out is all about stuff that's in us in our heads, and our hearts, that, um, that we need to get right. We need to have God do some work on and pull the pieces together. And when it, they get right inside us, um, that's automatically, it's, it, just by its very nature, it's going to begin to bubble its way out. And so when, when God does his work in us, ultimately that begins to spin itself out into our relationships at home. Um, into the relationships that we have at work. It, uh, it impacts when we drive. It impacts every aspect of our life. And we're talking specifically about healing, forgiveness, and grace. Last week we talked about healing. And uh, th- this week has been such a cool thing. If you were here last week, at the, end of the, at the end of the message, we just had a special time where people could come down and pray and ask God to heal them, whether it was physically or um, some stuff going on in, in their minds, uh, emotionally, relationally, whatever's going on. But to be able to pray and, and say, God, I need your healing. Um, a lot of people responded to that. A lot of people came down and prayed for other people. And, and to hear stories this week has been a really cool thing to just hear about how God worked in that and to hear about the conversations that have happened since that time. A few weeks ago on, on Facebook, I put a, a post out that there. Uh, I'm thinking about this, um, this series and this message in particular. I said, what's the relationship? Uh, everybody give me your feedback on what the relationship is between healing and forgiveness. You know, does healing happen before forgiveness? Does forgiveness happen before healing? And it, it was really interesting to read people's response, responses because I think what we all kind of discovered was they're, they're just tied together completely. My, my sister wrote on my page, she said, she said that's kind of like asking which, is, which comes first, the chicken or the egg. You know, the egg gives birth to the chicken, but then the chicken gives birth to the egg, and, and so it just kind of ties it all in there together. We need healing. And lots of times, heal, we, we need to heal before we can begin to forgive. But there are a whole lot of other times that we need to be able to forgive before we can experience healing. We need to let that go. Today we're talking about forgiveness. Um, I'm going to, in just a second, share the story of a, of a woman here at North Point as she tells her story about forgiveness and healing that she experienced as a part of one of our support recovery groups. At North Point, we have different kind of groups. We have groups that help connect people. We have life groups where people kind of get in and do life together. And then we have support recovery groups. One of our support recovery groups is called Celebrate Recovery. It's a, it's a group that meets every Thursday night, and it's for people who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. They, they, yeah, there we go. Celebrate the hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It's the, the people, people who have stuff in their life that has... It, it has this, this vice-like grip um, on them. And, and Celebrate Recovery is a great opportunity for the body to come together 
and for God to work through that to help to begin to break those 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 chains to break that bondage um, uh, hurts habits and hang-ups covers a lot of stuff you know it, it covers everything from addictions but it, it, it covers issues like control stuff and, and boundaries it it um, it impacts just areas of, of life of sin in our lives that we just can't let go of celebrate recovery I, I'd encourage you if um, uh, maybe that maybe that describes something that you're experiencing. And I just encourage you today afterwards, go out to the to the um, connect kiosk and say, what do I need to do? All you really need to do is just come on Thursday night and, and, and the group there will kind of take you through it. But it's just a great opportunity to find healing for you in that. Um, one of our other uh, re- uh, support recovery groups is a group called Awaken. It's a group that meets um, uh, kind of seasonally at different times, and it's for women who have experienced abortion in their past, that, that special needs that are there to find healing. Some, some, of, the, some of those women who, who have gone through that um, have carried that for a long time. I want to just I want you to experience the story of one of those ladies. Awaken is a ministry for post-abortive women uh, designed to heal them from their past choice of abortion. Why would you recommend surrendering the secret to other post-abortive women? To be free, to be forgiven by the love of Jesus Christ, and to know that no sin you ever, ever create is bad enough that Jesus will not forgive you. What will women experience over the eight-week study? Freedom, forgiveness, peace. To go back and fully bring it out, it will hurt. But the outcome is glorious. The feeling you're going to experience, you're going to be, you're going to be able to breathe again, and not have it buried so deep inside yourself that it's a constant nightmare. Why are you glad you took this step of faith? Because before I took this class, it had been 27 years since I had my abortion. And I was depressed, I was defensive, insecure, no self-confidence. And from the first night of the first class, I just felt loved, I didn't feel judged. And so happy to just have the opportunity to be a part of this first study. If you were talking to a post-abortive woman right now, and she was saying, I can't do this study, it's too scary, what would you say to her to encourage her to take that step of faith? I would really encourage her to really be strong and take this class. There's nothing to be afraid of. It is frightening at first, but the outcome of it, the whole study is so based on the love of Jesus and the forgiveness the forgiveness he gives to us. You will be so free. You do not have to carry that pain, that hurt, that heartbreak anymore. And you will no longer think of your abortion. You will think of your baby. Because you're not, you don't have that shame anymore. You know. 
and Jesus is holding that baby until you're there to be reminded of him. You know, that's that's what's in my heart. Isn't that cool? Uh, let me let me just say this: if if Karen was speaking to you, if that's if that's something that you've been holding on to, um, I'd encourage you uh, this fall. There's a, a, a an awakened um, group that's starting, and it's such an incredible thing to experience forgiveness in that and to take advantage of it. Did you did you hear what Karen said in that? Um, she said. It's been 27 years since I had my abortion, and I was depressed, defensive, and insecure. 27 years she carries that, that burden until ultimately she was able to experience God's forgiveness. She said, you don't have to carry that pain any longer. Uh, early on she said, no sin, no sin is bad enough that Jesus won't forgive you. And when you experience that forgiveness, you're going to be able to breathe again. What, what an incredible picture when we begin to, to talk about forgiveness. I want to talk about forgiveness this morning. For, forgiveness that allows you to breathe again. Forgiveness was a core part of Jesus' teaching. It was something that, that he talked about, that he demonstrated, that, that, um, that he gave um, often. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 18. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, feel free to grab one out of the back of the, of the pew to take out your uh, electronic device, phone, tablet, whatever. Go to Matthew 18. And let me just kind of set the stage for this. In Matthew 18, Jesus is... Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Uh, this is not Jesus teaching a large group of people. It's Jesus with his guys. And, and he's teaching really at a higher level. You know, he's talking to him about some very specific things. And if you look before the passage that we're going to get to, um, the, uh, what happens is they have this conversation. Jesus teaches and he says, he says, what do you do when, um, when someone wrongs you? When, when you have this broken relationship, how, how do you do that when, when, when you sense that? And he talks about going to them and taking people and ultimately bringing uh, things that are in the dark to light so that healing can take place when, you, when you've experienced that hurt. And, and out of that, in verse 21, Peter comes up to him and says, um, Jesus, how how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. How many times do I have to forgive someone who hurts me? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say it, it actually says seven times 70. 490 times. You get the picture? How often do you forgive? Lots and lots and lots. And then Jesus teaches a parable. He tells a story. It's a story that everybody could relate to, that, that made sense to people, so that he could flesh that out for his disciples, so that they would understand a God truth, an eternal truth, because of this earthly story he tells. Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle... One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
Since he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. You know, the word talent is a problem for us in in our current context, because when we think about talent, we think, oh, yeah, I've got a talent. I've got a talent to be able to speak. I've got a talent to be able to uh, to play sports. I've got a talent to sing. I've got a talent with computers. Uh, we, we think in, in those terms when we hear the word talent. But in Jesus time, in the in the first century, talent was a measurement. It was, it was a measurement of weight and it was a big measurement of weight. So when he talks about a talent, he's talking about a, a large volume of, of silver or gold. We don't know which one, probably gold in this case. And and so when you start talking about um, a talent of gold, 10,000 talents of gold, probably at a minimum, at a minimum, the, the debt that this guy owed was $10 million dollars. Um, some com- commentators depended upon the you know, cost of gold and how, how they figure everything. One figure I, I saw was $350 billion, with a B, dollars that this guy owed the king. We're talking about a massive debt, right? Something he'd never be able to pay back. And the king rightfully is ready to throw him into prison, uh, kids, wife, everything, because he's taken this money from the king. And can't pay it back. Understand as Jesus tells that parable. That we are that guy. When he tells that story. He's talking about us. That's the debt that we carry to God. Ten million. 350 billion, something that we could never pay. We need forgiveness desperately. Everything hinges on that. We need forgiveness from God. We need forgiveness from other people as well. We're not pretty good people. We're not good moral people. Understand that. We live in a culture that says, um, if we compare ourselves, you know what, I'm a lot better than that guy. That guy who was on the news last night, uh, man, I'm so much better than him. Um, I'm not like that person at work that cheats and steals. You know, I might do a little bit of stuff on the side, but I'm not like them. We compare ourselves and we justify ourselves based on everybody else around us, don't we? Understand that good doesn't get it with God. We say, because I'm not fill in the blank, because I'm not a murderer, because I'm not an addict, because, uh, you know, because I'm not homeless, because whatever, I'm not that bad because I'm not like them. This is so fundamental today, so core to our relationship with God. We have to understand that we are desperately in need of forgiveness for our relationship with God to make any sense. Jesus said that no one is good except God alone. Mark 10. If you think that you're a pretty good person, you're fooling yourself. Any sin in our life separates us from God. 
and will separate us from God for eternity. We're, we're talking about punishment to hell, eternal separation from God. That's what sin does. We can't grasp, we can't understand the significance of Jesus coming to earth if we don't grasp the blackness of our sin, the evil that's in our hearts. We, we can't comprehend how critical it is, how, how massive God's goodness is if we don't understand how desperate we are for forgiveness. In, in this passage, who was Jesus talking to? He was talking to his disciples, right? The guys who had left everything, they'd left their jobs, they'd left their families to follow Jesus for three years. And Jesus said, you're the guy with the debt. He paints this picture of a guy who owes millions of dollars, more than he'd ever be able to repay in his lifetime. And this guy begs for forgiveness. What does the king do? The king who has owed all this money, he forgives him and he releases him. That's incredible. Think about the freedom that comes from that because the king responds with compassion to this man's plight. No matter what's in your past, God wants to forgive you. He wants to welcome you back into his arms. No matter what, if it's addiction, if it's abortion, if it's pornography, if it's cheating on your test, cheating on your taxes, if it's being involved in a physical relationship with somebody other than your husband or wife, if it's gossip or lying, laziness or arrogance, pride or lust, callousness or greed, if it's those things that happened when you were 15 years old or when you were in college, when you were 34 or 46 or 81, God wants to forgive. He wants that relationship with you to be restored. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, Jesus came to earth and he went to the cross so that we could experience forgiveness. On the cross, on the cross, Jesus took all of our sin on himself. And he accepted our punishment. He stepped forward and said, that $350 billion debt, that $10 million debt, it's going to cost me everything. It's going to cost me my life. But I'll pay it because I want Mark to be with me eternally. I want Julie to be free. I want Pete to experience a restored relationship. At the end of today's message, we're going to share in a time that we call communion or the Lord's Supper. Between now and then, as I keep talking, please let the magnitude of that truth spin around in your head. Let it penetrate your heart. God loves you and he wants to forgive you. You can experience that forgiveness because of Jesus. We all need forgiveness desperately. But there's more to the story that Jesus tells. If you look in verse 28, Jesus goes on. He says, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, 
pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Denarii is another measurement of weight from the first century. It's much, 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 much smaller than a talent. A hundred denarii, a denarii was roughly a day's wage in the New Testament times for a worker. So um, we're talking about roughly three months worth of wages. You figure that out according to your salary. Conservatively, it's probably $10,000, right? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a big amount. Some of, your, some of your Bibles will say it was just a few dollars. It wasn't just a few dollars. It was a significant amount that he'd have to work to repay. But $10,000 compared to $10 million gives you a sense of the, of, of the proportion of the debt that was there. Then his... What's he do? He throws this guy for the, with the $10,000 debt in jail where he can't pay any of it back, but he throws, it, throws him in jail. Verse 32, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also will my heavenly father do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. Look at 35 again. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. What was Peter's original question? If someone wrongs me, how often do I need to forgive them? The short answer is every stinking time. Every time. We desperately need to forgive as well as to be forgiven. There's all kinds of stuff. I'm sure as soon as we started talking about forgiveness, I'm guessing a significant proportion of people here today said, Oh, we're talking about forgiveness. It does not mean this in my life because I'm, I'm not ready to go there. What, what, if, what if you've been wronged terribly? What if, what if you've been abandoned by your parents? What if you've come through a terrible divorce where your spouse was terrible to you and your children? What if you've experienced the loss of a family member because of a drunk driver or, or the incompetence of a medical professional or because of the violent hand of someone else? What about if someone has destroyed your reputation? What if somebody has stolen your thoughts or your ideas or your money or your position? What if somebody has just plain been mean to you? Here's the question. How much forgiveness have you experienced from God? How much forgiveness do you want to experience from God? Here's the crazy thing. When we choose not to forgive, when we choose to hold on to our hurt and anger, 
When we choose to seek revenge, the only person it hurts is us, right? It may impact the people who are around us, who are living close to us. But the focus of all that pain, when we choose to hold on to it, stays inside of us. It may not even impact the person or the people who have hurt us. They may not know about it at all. Eva Kaur was a survivor of the Auschwitz death camp during World War II. Specifically, she was one of the people that, that Dr. Joseph Mengele experimented on in Auschwitz. On the day that she and her parents and her siblings arrived in Auschwitz on the train, they separated her from her mom and her dad who were killed that day, from her older sibling who was killed as well. The only reason that she survived that first initial day was because she and her sister were 10-year-old twins. And Mengele wanted to do experiments on humans where he had a test case that he could compare against a live person with the same physical traits. Eva Kaur was the person that Mengele, along with about 10,000 other sets of twins, experimented on. You may have heard her story. This past spring, Oscar Groenig, a 93-year-old former Nazi guard, was put on trial for his role in Auschwitz. Eva Kaur testified at the trial, but when she arrived in Germany... She did something that amazed people. She publicly forgave Groenig. She still wanted justice to be served, but she very intentionally and publicly forgave him. She said when when asked about it afterwards, getting even never healed anyone. My forgiveness has nothing to do with the perpetrator. It's my act of self-healing, my act of self-liberation and self-empowerment. I had no power over my life up to the time that I discovered that I could forgive. It's for you to know that you forgive. And you can go on with your life without the burden and pain that the Nazis or anybody else ever imposed on you. I read an article this week in a magazine about a series of scientific studies that have been done on people regarding forgiveness. And you know what they found? When we hold on to a grudge, when we fail to forgive, it impairs us physically. It impacts both our physical and our physiological or psychological health. It affects our brains and our bodies. It raises the level of stress hormones in our blood. It can elevate our blood pressure. It affects our ability to focus and form new memories. It can even cause weight gain. Some of you are saying, is that what happened to me? The author, Mike Mahargue, said, people who have hurt us live in our heads rent-free, showing up in our mind's eye when we have coffee with friends, when we enjoy nature or spend time with our family. When we don't forgive others, we put ourselves in in mental, emotional, and physical bondage. The person who hurt us may have put us in a cage, but we're the only ones who can set ourselves free. If we've experienced the forgiveness of God because of Jesus, we're commanded to forgive those who wrong us. The disciples came to Jesus and they they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray. 
And Jesus then um, gave the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. If, if you're from a Catholic background, you might refer to it as the Our Father. You, you know this. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 14 of Matthew 6 says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In Mark 11, Jesus said, Whenever you stand praying, forgive. Forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who's also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae and said, Bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We all desperately need to forgive. Um, let me, let me just share some final truths because the, this message is really about two things. We, um, we desperately need forgiveness. We desperately need to forgive. That's, that's all there is today. But let me just share some, some other thoughts. Um, one is this. Um, saying I'm sorry is not the same as forgiveness. Culturally, we've kind of said, oh, yeah, you know, when you mess up, when you break a relationship, when you hurt somebody, you say, I'm sorry, and that makes everything right, right? It doesn't. Because when you say, I'm sorry, you stay in control. You say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that step. That's a completely different thing than when you say, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me for this? Because when you do that, you take yourself out of control and you say, I care about our relationship. I want our relationship to be restored. But it's dependent upon you saying, yeah, you'll forgive me. Parents, I'd encourage you to teach your kids to not just say I'm sorry, but to look their siblings in the eye, to look you in the eye and say, will you forgive me for disobeying? Will you forgive me for clunking you on the head with my block? You know, will you go through that process? And adults... I'd encourage you in the context of this message on forgiveness to use that language at work. When you wrong someone, when you, when, when you mess up with your boss, go to your boss and say, would you forgive me? When you, when you break a relationship with a coworker, betray a confidence, whatever it is, go to them and say, would you forgive me for what I've done? And spell it out. I'd encourage you to go to your employees if you're in that kind of a role as a manager, as an employer. When you mess up and say, would you forgive me for what I've done? Because when we come in humility and ask for forgiveness, that's all we can do. That's all we can do to help make that relationship right. And God works in incredibly cool ways when we ask for forgiveness. Um, if you're like me, you, you hear this and you think, yeah, I want to forgive, but man, there's so many pieces. Does forgiving, does forgiving mean um, 
that that I just continue to stay in an abusive relationship. I continue to be hurt. I'm not saying that at all. You know, we we're called to forgive no matter what. But if if you're in a place that that you're being physically hurt, um, that's there. uh, You need to take steps to create healthy boundaries for that. Um, Figuring out how to go through the process of forgiveness. Let me let me just share. This is stuff out of my life. Okay, this is what I've learned over the last, uh, I don't know, 35, 40 years in dealing with times when I've been hurt. When there's been stuff in my life that I've thought, I've got, to, I've got to forgive that person. The first step is this. You've got to decide to forgive. And sometimes that's the hardest issue because we want to hold on to that pain. That we, 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 you know what? I've been hurt and I can't just let that go. I can't, you know, if I, if I just let that go, I think that means that I'll deny it ever happened. And that's not the case at all. But we've got to choose to forgive. The second piece in that is to just talk to God about it. To say, God, I desperately need your help to forgive this person of this situation. I can't do it on my own. Would you come in me and help me to forgive them? Lord, I need you desperately to help me do that. The third thing that, that has been helpful for me is to just simply write down everything related to the situation, to verbalize that in some way. To, to take some time and say, you know what, this is what happened. This is what happened to me, and this is why it hurts so badly to put that in words, to try and crystallize that. And as you do that, as you do that in your journal, or as you do that in a letter, to say, I'm choosing to forgive them. I choose today to forgive this person for this particular thing. And then I encourage you, after you do that, after you go through that process, read it a couple of times, burn it up and throw it away. That's not a letter that you want to send, okay? Um, because what, you, what you're doing is just releasing that. You're forgiving them and letting it go. And put it in a Chinese lantern and let it take off or whatever. Um, let, it, let it go at that point. Sometimes what happens after we do that, though, is that Satan, who's the accuser, keeps coming back and says, don't forget about that. Don't forget about what happened there. That pain that you experienced. Yeah, you said you forgive me. You didn't really forgive him, right? Anybody been there, done that? Satan does that. A couple of things. When that happens, the first thing to, to do is to just have a conversation with Satan and say, get away from me, Satan, in the name of Jesus, be gone, because I forgave them. I have chosen to forgive them. I choose again now to forgive them. I have taken that step. You don't have any power in that. Satan's persistent, though, isn't he? And he keeps hammering. And this is the other tool for me that's really helped. When that happens, when I've had that conversation, say, no, I've forgiven. And it just keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. To pray for the person that has wronged you, the person that you need to forgive, to pray that God would bless them, to pray for God to bring goodness to them, not to pray that that God would judge them and that he'd make all that right and that he'd take care of it. Pray for God to bless them. And if they're far from God, pray that God would bring them close to him, that they would come to know him. And you know what? Satan will leave you alone at that point in time because he doesn't want you praying for God to bless and to bring someone else back to him. Forgiveness is hard. Um, And yet, it's incredibly freeing when we choose to forgive. Last thing I want to share is this. I, I just want to encourage you 
to develop a different kind of a scorecard. Most of us have a scorecard in our head, don't we? That we say, oh yeah, that person did this to me. That person said that to me. That person, oh man, oh. We have this, we have this kind of running list in our head, right? Um, develop a different scorecard. There's a guy I play racquetball with named Greg. I play racquetball early in the morning down at the Waverly Y. Um, and this guy, when I first met him uh, nine months ago or whatever, he played, he would play racquetball with his son-in-law and with a friend. And um, Greg, Greg is a better racquetball player than I am, but there would be some times when the guys that I don't, that I play with didn't show up and I'd, and I'd play with Greg. The first time I went in, it was crazy because Greg, his son-in-law um, and his friend and I are playing um, doubles in racquetball and they don't keep score. Does that bother anybody besides me? How can you play racquetball and not keep score? You don't know if you win or lose. How can you do that? And so, you know, I go in. What's the score? Ah, we won't keep score. Okay, this is how you keep score. But we go through the process. So now we're keeping score. So, Greg, when we play together, we keep score. Last week, we have this conversation. I'm thinking through the whole forgiveness stuff. But we're, we're playing racquetball, and there are four of us playing doubles again. All four of us are relatively similar in terms of ability, so it's really intense. The games are 15-14, really, really good. And so afterwards, we're all spent, and I said, man, I'm so tired. That was such great exercise. And Greg said, we had some great rallies. Even now, we've been playing for nine months. Greg still doesn't keep score. Everybody else keeps score, and Greg just kind of follows along. He said, yeah, we had some really great rallies. Um, that, that one point, we hit 22 times. And I said, what? And he said, he said, that one point we hit 22 times, 11 times for each side. And I said, do you keep track of that? And he said, every point. And I said, you're kidding. And he said, no. He said, in my head is a clock that says one, two, three. Every point. I keep track of it because for me, the way I keep score is by how many times we hit the ball. He said, I can hit a kill shot and, and, and finish the point. I'd much rather hit it and keep it in play and see how long we can keep playing. That's crazy. <laughs> but you know what? Greg developed a different scorecard. And the challenge for us today is to develop a different scorecard. It's not to keep record of wrongs. It's to keep record of forgiveness. Oh, man, I forgave them, and it has been so freeing. Yeah, that person did that. I forgave them a long time ago. And so, and so the, the, the things that we run through our mind are not the offenses, but the beauty that comes when forgiveness happens. We're going to share, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper. And I want, I want to share, uh, before we do, what's going to happen is this. The band's going to play in a second. Um, the ushers are going to bring down communion. There's a piece of bread that will remind us that our, experience, our, our forgiveness is experienced because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus physically allowed his body to be destroyed on the cross. For us, we're going to drink a little bit of juice that will remind us that on the cross and in Jesus trial, he allowed his blood to be to to be poured out for us. He willingly gave himself 
for us. That's what communion's all about. If you're a follower of Jesus, that makes complete sense. It may be that you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're saying, what's that? Feel free to just pass the trays along. That's okay. But let me, let me just share what Paul said to the church in Corinth. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have, have fallen asleep. In communion today, we're going to stay seated as the band plays. I want you to sing, but feel free to not sing too. And I want you to just think about the forgiveness that you've experienced from Jesus. And that's an incredible thing to celebrate, that no matter what's happened in our past, God has forgiven us if we've chosen to follow Jesus. We need to, we need to recognize that and just um, allow his love to wash over us as we share today. But I also want you to examine yourself and say, man, God, show me, show me who I'm holding on to, that experience, that pain, that stuff that's there. Show me so that I can forgive, so that I can make that choice, so that I can experience that freedom. As the trays are passed, I want you today to just hold the cup and hold the bread. And and we're going to take them together after the song's done. Let's worship together as we share in the beauty of the Lord's Supper.